When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode 141, Not Just a Developer with David Lindahl. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we will be talking to David Lindahl about that thing that we kind of conversed about a few weeks ago where you're not only a developer. Some people are where they do development from their in their 9 to 5, and then they go home and they do a side hustle, which is also web development, and as a result, they get tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of practice, which makes them a master of the craft, basically. But some of us, you know, we do our 9 to 5, we do our web development, and then we want to go and do something else. Snowboarding, skiing, boating, gaming whatever it is. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And also, because we've actually already recorded the interview, also we'll be talking about social media a fair bit as well, because David's social media has changed back and forth between a few different things. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go and check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Share this with your friends. And just to sort of reiterate more formally, David Lindahl, who we will be sitting down with very shortly is a longtime friend of the show that has been through what some might call a full journey of web development. That's kind of the only way I could think of phrasing it because he's kind of been through a lot of stuff, including a boot camp, being hired in an agency, then being laid off, then working freelance, then being hired again into another agency. He also runs a bunch of side projects, side hustles, all that type of thing. And most notable of which, at least for me, is Rainier Watch. I see the photos of Mount Rainier all over the place because of him. So this week we'll be discussing all of that, of course, but also the discussion will be leading, leaning excuse me, more towards David's ability to not, quote-unquote, just be a web developer. If you're a person that follows him, because you already might do that because of our previous episodes, he is a photographer, a web developer, like I said, a freelancer. He has all these side hustles, different accounts. Some of them are in the same account, and so he's pivoted all over the place. And he's all these things all at the same time. So we hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's cut to that right now. All right, everybody, we have David on the line here. Now, we had David on the show, longtime, uh, longtime friend of the show, as I said in the intro. We've had him on the show. I think we had you, when was that, David? Like, beginning of the pandemic-ish. So what's uh, what have you been up to? What's happened since? And, you know, what's what's going on? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was early on in the pandemic. Um, what a year. <laughs> a lot has happened. I'll just keep it uh, more relevant to what's happened to me, I guess. Because <laughs> who really who wants to hear about that? Yeah, um, really. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Rewinding back a year. So at that point, I believe I was working for a local agency building websites for a lot of our clients. Uh, we had we were building things for like Sony and Microsoft, a few of the bigger names and SAP Concur and a few other folks. And then after, what was it? Uh, I think it was mid-May, I got laid off um, due to COVID. There was a lot of shortages in funds coming in, of course. And so 
they had a round of layoffs and I was included in that. And that was kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but it was, it ended up being not totally unexpected, unfortunately. Like I kind of had it in the back of my mind with COVID and everything happening. There was, there was always that chance, especially with an agency because it's, you're kind of more, more or less hoping that those clients will keep paying you the bills and generally marketing budgets are going to be some of the first things to go <laughs> when sales start to dry up a little bit. So it made sense. And so that summer I did a little bit of freelancing. I also kind of took a little bit of time off, so to speak from um, job hunting, I guess. And I was doing freelance work a little bit, probably 20 hours or so on the side, as well as working on my uh, little side hustle hobby, Rainier Watch, which is an e-commerce D2C apparel company thing. <laughs> um, and that was pretty good. So I did that for a while in the summer. Also kind of sat back and collected unemployment, which was nice to kind of take a little break and, <laughs> and have that as a cushion. That was pretty nice. And then um, after a couple months of that, I started to search a little bit more for a job and um, did a little bit of networking, kind of talked to different people in the realms of development that I enjoy. Specifically, I find myself a lot in kind of like the the offshoot of the Laravel world. So Laravel is this PHP framework, really big framework in that backend world. I think it's one of the most starred frameworks in general, actually, on GitHub. And there's a whole community ethos built up around it. And an offshoot of that in the front end world is Tailwind CSS and um, other things like Statomic CMS. And so I kind of just being in that world a little bit, talking to folks, networking, I ended up talking to the folks that run Zangle, which is a small, about 10-ish person development shop, and got connected with them, had some good conversations, and they ended up hiring me as a contract to hire. So I worked for them for a couple of months and then transitioned to full-time employee. And I've been there ever since, been loving it, and basically been building websites for our clients as well as we've got some products that we do as well. So getting getting my hands dirty with all that in the codes and the front end stuff specifically, which is of course that's where I like to like that's where I like to sit. And that's kind of yeah, I guess that's been I think I've been there for over six months as a full-time employee now. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and count it out. It's kind of flown by in some ways. Now that would that um, would that would that have been like your goal, I guess, moving forward? So obviously you were working at an agency and then you got laid off. Did you kind of see that layoff as an opportunity to go find another agency or did you want to be a freelancer or were you like, you know, I'm going to go get another agency or find another agency job, but I'll freelance to pay the bills. Like what was the, what mm -hmm. was your thoughts then? You know? Yeah. Um, freelancing is always something I've enjoyed, but then there's kind of the, the harder part about it is stability and having a family and wanting to have that consistent income is pretty important to me. And so um, I enjoy freelancing, but it's also, it has that instability. And so the goal would be, I think if you asked me in that, in that time period, the goal would have been to land a full-time job. Um, I think sort of my five-year plan perhaps is to maybe get into doing hopefully Rainier Watch part-time if it grows to that point, and then maybe also doing freelance part-time. <clears throat> but I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. I just kind of think that it would be 
I've got all these other different interests in addition to coding and I see myself sort of um, building up those interests and building those skill sets as well as writing the code. And so that's kind of where that five-year plan idea comes in. But, but yeah, at that point, I, I really like agencies because it's, it's different, right? Like you get to work on different projects every couple of months, you get to switch it up. What's really nice about Zengle and one of my favorite parts about the company is in addition to doing client work, we also have our own products. And so it's nice to be able to do both of those things. And I think with products, you get to focus more on top-notch user experience. Like, of course, that's going to be playing into the client projects and the client work that you do. Um, but when you have your own product, you don't really have that time limit. You don't have that like, hey, we've got to make this hit this sprint for this client and they've got this budget. We need to make sure that we hit that. That's not the top priority. You can really focus on making something excellent when you're doing product development. And there's it's just a little bit different when you're working for yourself versus someone else. Um, so it's it's nice to have that variety. I think even I've noticed myself with projects that last several, several months, I tend to get, I don't know if board's the right word, but kind of ready to move on. And so if I, if I landed at a company where I was doing the same thing uh, over and over again, like there's a lot of being outside the Seattle area here, there's a lot of tech companies, of course, like Microsoft and that sort of thing. And I sort of flirted with the idea of going to one of those places and looked a little bit, but didn't, didn't really hold my interest too much because of that idea of, Hey, being in a little silo at a big company, you're probably going to be working on who knows, maybe like the same button over and over again. <laughs> and that for a year, that doesn't really sound the most interesting to me. I'm, I'm sure it's more than that <laughs> when it actually comes down to it, but uh, it's nice to touch a whole different design interface, a whole different UI, different branding, um, different style guides and that sort of thing is, is really interesting to me. So I just, I like design. Like I started a new project for one of our clients a couple of weeks ago that has just a phenomenally well done site in terms of design. And it's been really interesting to dig into that as I switch up and kind of transition to this new project. So I'm just kind of a design nerd at heart, I guess, in some ways. <laughs> and there's kind of like those, I mean, there's probably more than two, but there's kind of those two personas with work too, right? Where there's some people that are like, I'm just going to stay here. I don't care what it is, whether I'm doing the same thing. Uh, from now until I retire or whatever, I don't care as long as I sit here, do my hours, get my money, like I'm here to make money and then I leave. I just don't care what I do. But then there's – there's, and I'm one of them where you kind of get bored and you're like, hey, mm -hmm. let's get on. Like I want to complete something. I, don't, I think that's kind of where I'm at where I kind of want to complete something and even if we have to keep going back to it to maintain it, at least it's like, hey, I built this. It's not like, hey, I'm building this and will be building this until the guy that replaces me will continue building this. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not that one thing that never ends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice to have that kind of the final state that you can get to. And that's one thing that that we we've talked about, too, is, you know, talking about products is Mike and I lately have been talking, you know, we really want to try to get into. So I'm like a uh, kind of a passive income nerd these days, actually. And so I kind of really want to get into some passive income stuff. And one of the best ways that we've seen for our situation would be to somehow get like a product out there. doesn't matter what it is, you know, sell something physically via e-commerce or something online anyway to like kind of fit our technical skills, of course, but something to sell. I don't know, WordPress plugin, doesn't matter, something just to get it out mm -hmm. there to try to like build up the community and build up that. And then, of course, um, the podcast, you know, can consider, can be, you know, maybe one day that that'll be passive income, something like that, uh, something like that as well. But you're right in that where 
it's 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 a totally different feeling when you don't have to worry about oh this is due for the client next Friday. It's mm-hmm. oh you know I really don't like how this page is looking. I'm going to spend the time on my page and make it look this good or I'm fine with cutting this corner because I want to get this done, but I know I'm going to come back to my, you know what I mean? It's that, it's like that passion project, if you will, even if it isn't your passion and you're just doing it to sort of get it done. If it's one of the more boring parts, at least it's something that you're doing, you're putting your name on it. And it does definitely feels different than the client, you know, wondering or needing that, that deadline met or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, just just on that topic of uh, having client work and your own dev shop work, um, how does the balance of that work at the dev shop? Is it like you know, twenty percent of your time is supposed to be spent on that work, and eighty percent is that, or do you kind of make up your own schedule, or you know, what's the structure? Yeah, it's it's really up to uh, our project manager, and so he's got the higher level purview and he can kind of go in and figure out what the deadlines look like, what our work estimates look like and scope things out. So I basically just do what he does or (laughs) do what he says rather. (laughs) Yeah. That must help with the cognitive burden. That's for sure. As, as a two man dev shop right now, like we're, we're the project manager, you know, like we create the requirements, the scope, we do the sales, that kind of stuff can really build up. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm definitely thinking like, oh man, it would be nice to just, you know, have a list of things to do and just kind of do them. And then finish mm-hmm. my day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really nice. One of my favorite parts about the role I'm in right now is being able to get deep work in. Like we're not a very uh, meeting heavy organization, at least for my specific role. Like there's definitely people on the team that are doing a lot more meetings, but for me, my primary task is to write code and and hit the tasks and the objectives and the daily to dos that I have and the things I'm building. And so that's been it's been really nice. I think. Uh, there was a project at my last agency that I was on when we were working for a client and it was, you can definitely have meetings and way too many meetings and they can definitely get in the way <laughs> of work. I think there, <laughs> you might've, you just might've seen there's, I think it's a meme or a tweet or something like that out in the web dev world, but it talks about, it shows a picture of, Hey, this is my calendar. And it's got a meeting, maybe half an hour meeting every hour or something like that. And then this is, and then the other side, it says, this is what uh, how I see the calendar as a developer. And you've got like a meeting that's a half an hour. And then you've got 30 minutes where you have to do context switching, uh, context switching rather. And that definitely that load on your brain where you're having to switch and pivot things. And even now when I'm switching between projects, there's been, when it comes up, when I run into that, it, I recognize that in my mind, like, hey, I've got to reset the designs that were, that I'm playing out in my mind, the style guide kind of like all of the UI need to switch over to this different project that's completely different. And there can be that um, that time that it takes to kind of switch gears for sure. So I'm, I'm overall, I'm pretty satisfied with our level of meetings in my role. It's been great to spend hours digging into stuff and problem solving. What are, you, what are your deep work hours? Just curious. Um, it's <laughs> right now I have three meetings a week. Um, so pretty much all of the time, three scheduled meetings a week. So it's all of the time, except for that. Um, I think our core hours are probably something from nine to three or something like that, where, because it's a, uh, company with remote, fully remote company, there's people in different time zones. And so I think that's kind of like the central hours that we try and get everyone, uh, online for. And that's, and the thing too is, 
I, I almost, and it's different for every company, but I kind of find with the meetings when they go overboard is a lot of the time it's the, there's, there's roles at every company or usually at larger companies that require those people need to be the decision makers. They need to do communication 24 seven. Realistically, they could really do their job from a cell phone, you know, but they're still important. There's the people that make those to do lists like you guys talked about, but I find that sometimes the meetings go overboard because it's either those people or those people's managers or whatever it is bring the developers in too much mm-hmm. when that idea is like half cooked. Like, you know what? Like, I think we should really get into this whole uh, Laravel scene, but like, I don't really know much about it. Well, let's get the devs. Let's get the devs thought on this. You know what? Let's let's get the devs on this on this beginning of this client project. Let's just see what they want to say. And then you're on mute half the time because mm-hmm. there's nothing to talk about except for you know, hey, what does your company do to a brand new client? And so you're kind of like brought in too much, whereas like they, the tool, like the company needs to be broken up to say like, okay, the, like these guys do all our dev stuff. These guys do all our communication stuff. These guys do this. And like the, they have to work together, but you don't need to have, I don't need a dev in to like introduce a client unless the client specifically asks for it. Those type of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree. And I've seen that play out in and with a negative effect on productivity and prior roles. I do think though, that there's like anything, right. There's a, there's a medium circle that you want to hit where you can go too far into meeting land and you can go not enough. And I think what's been helpful in projects in the past is when uh, we've been strategic with that companies have been strategic. And so I think it, there is value that devs can provide, especially upfront because there's been projects I've been on in the past where the devs weren't looped in, until it was too late. And by that point, we'd scoped out the different requirements for the the feature or the product or whatever it was that wouldn't, that didn't make sense from a technology standpoint or didn't make sense from a, a deadline standpoint. I think that was one thing that came up a lot in one of my prior jobs was the deadlines and all of the feature requests and all the requirements for that particular set of work uh, was did not line up with actually how much time it would take. <laughs> right. Cause you're uh, going to have the non-technical guys talking to the, the client and then be like, Oh yeah, I'll just tell them to do it in a week. And meanwhile, yeah, it's we'll, like some we'll huge just, thing. <laughs> yeah. We'll build this full stack application with 70 different requirements and 14 different features. We'll, we'll get that for you in a week. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> and I want to, <laughs> no. I, I want to say that like the, and this isn't always the case too, but a lot of the times, like the meeting, the meeting people, I feel like because they're in so many meetings, it's almost like when they don't have a meeting in their calendar, it's like the meetings is their deep work, right? Mm-hmm. So devs are always fighting for dev for 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 deep work, and it's almost like the guys who are whoever it is supposed to be in the meetings, they're always fighting for meetings. But there's so mm-hmm. much to do. It's like I've been doing way less development lately, way more business admin because there's actually a lot too, like. Hey, we got to figure out how to get this business profile set up for TikTok. We need to do this, 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 this. And even though it isn't super, super, super technical, it still requires that context switch. And I have a feeling that the a lot of the time, those the, the people that are supposed to be in meetings are they they see their their deep work as the meetings rather than being like, you know what? I just need to make sure everything's set up for the meetings, ready for the devs, ready for the managers, whatever their role is. They just want to like fill it with a meeting, which is sometimes a detriment as well. You know, at that point, it's like now you're having too many meetings, even with the meeting people. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. meeting, meeting, mm-hmm. meeting, meeting, meeting. Okay, enough. Like we've talked about this. We need to have someone write this up in a Word doc or something, please. Like, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. let's just let's just get this done. So, yeah, just having meetings to have meetings. But yeah, yeah, I think but, and I don't want to 
<laughs> it's probably most of your audience is probably developers, but I do think there's value in meetings and there's definitely value in those people that are collaborating and figuring out things that are important. And that there's, there's also value in a lot of that in addition to the dev work that is on equal playing fields, I think. Um, yeah. 100%. You need the people that do the meetings to make the to-do list for the devs, basically. So, uh, But I'd like to change gears a little bit here and to talk about actually going beyond the web developer. Uh, and specifically, I know that uh, you, David, you're on you're on Twitter quite a bit. And your social media presence, you know, on let's just say on Twitter alone, seems to change from photographer to web developer, <laughs> developer and beyond with a lot of success, actually. And despite let's say social media experts always saying like, be consistent, not only with posting, but what you're posting. It kind of seems like you kind of jump around to let's say tech Twitter, and then you're on web dev Twitter, then you're on photography Twitter, but all on the same account. You don't have three different accounts. You're all, you're kind of all over the place. And whereas like random social media channels and random social media accounts that are literally posting random stuff are successful, that isn't the common, like that isn't very common. So how, how do you kind of manage that? Like, what, like, do you decide, like, do you start like tailoring hashtags or are you just saying like, you know what, like I'm, I've been taking a lot of photos lately, so I'm going to take a lot of photos and then I'm just going to start posting those on Twitter and this, then the Twitter profile is just a re like a reflection of what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a million dollar question right there. Um, what's interesting is it's definitely counter to what all of, what I do on Twitter is definitely counter to what, quote unquote, Twitter experts will tell you. And I don't know how successful what I do is, but at one point, and this has kind of been something I've thought about in the past few months, because one thing that I've started to do a lot more of is photography. And with the transition of photographers from Instagram, which we talked about before the show, is probably my least favorite social media platform at this point. Um, and most photographers would agree with that. It seems like they're transitioning from that to Twitter. And uh, so with that, I started to share about photography on Twitter. And at one point I had the thought of, do I create a separate Twitter for this? And I actually have a separate Twitter that I used to post photography on back years ago when I was doing like Blackberry photography with Blackberry Central and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Started okay. one. <laughs> um, and I haven't revisited it for a while, but I don't, I don't know. I, I've kind of struggled with that idea of specializing the Twitter because I think that would be probably more successful. Like as someone who follows other people, I generally, I think I am more attracted to them if they do specialize in a certain topic, um, unless I know them as a person or a friend or as a holistic character on social media or something like that. Um, I'm generally following them for a specific interest. And so I don't know if the way that I do it, where I post dev stuff, I post photography stuff, um, I post e-commerce D2C stuff for with running Rainier Watch. I don't know if my strategy is the best, but at, at some point in the last couple of months, I just was like, you know what, whatever. Uh, I don't really want to have that load on myself of managing multiple Twitters. Um, I don't think my goal is to really super grow. Like I think at one point, a couple months ago, I was testing out different strategies to, and I didn't have like a whole, like a, a document built out or anything. It was just kind of these mental ideas of, Hey, I should share more about dev tips that have been, that I, as I encounter them with the idea of uh, trying to grow that audience. And, and then a couple months later, I wanted to share more photography. And so it is, it's this weird place that 
my Twitter account is in because that's mostly what I'm using for social media these days where it hits all those three different things. And I'm sort of the other day I started titling the top of the tweet, like hashtag photography tweet and then wrote it. And I don't know if that's good or not. I haven't really done any <laughs> testing on that. Um, so basically at this point, I don't know, I would say the, the, those pro pro Twitter users or the pro social media people are probably right where you should probably specialize, but um, I'm kind of, I don't know, fed up with social media in some ways. And so <laughs> part of me is just, all right, I'm going to be me and that's okay. I'm going to have whatever 500 followers or something like that and not have a gazillion like some people do with it. And that's fine. Like I've, I've, I'm probably going to stop tweeting I don't know, at some point and not really care about it as much. I think right now I'm having a lot of fun because there's a lot of photographers on there that are, are sharing fun stuff. And that's been pretty sweet. And I think sharing dev tips is something that I enjoy because there are little things that I come across that I think will hopefully save someone else time. Because if, if I saw it, it would save me time and I would find benefit in it. So I think that will hopefully be helpful for people. And same thing with running an e-commerce company. It's like, I'm running this little, little thing on the side, trying to grow it. And Hopefully the things I share from that also will help save people time down the road or, or now. Um, it's, it's kind of just more of, I guess, me sharing my experiences at this point and hoping that it helps someone. And I'm not, I don't have like a, a goal or I I've definitely followed some of the Twitter expert people that have all these tips and different things and tricks and, and stuff like that. And that's just, I'm trying to offload stuff out of my brain more in the last year and that you could get into that, but I feel like that's just another part-time hobby, <laughs> another part-time thing. And I have too many part-time interests and hobbies and a, being a pro <laughs> Twitter users, very low on that list. <laughs> so I guess maybe if I wasn't sleeping, I would get into that. I'll, I'll sum it up with that. <laughs> well, I guess the thing too, right, is, you know, you hear these, if you're a person that you had on a Twitter, you know, you have something you want, you want to sell a product, you want to just become an influencer, whatever you want to do. And you're like, you know what, I need to hit Twitter hard. What do I do? First thing you probably do, Google it, find some YouTube videos, you know, go through that stuff. And you learn these sort of not necessarily growth hacks, although there's probably some in there too, but there's like all these sort of certain little things you got to do. Oh, word it like this, do this hashtag, do this, do this, do this. And whereas it, it makes a lot of sense for the people that make 10 grand or something off a tweet because they like redirect you to a video, which redirects you to a product to like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It makes sense for them to if they don't do do it this certain certain way, you know, they got five grand on the line now because they'll only make 5K or something, you know, whatever it is. And so it makes sense there. But like what it kind of sounds like to me is you're kind of just going the more organic route, which is also another route that's kind of taken off a lot where you have these business influencers like Gary V, actually, who he comes across as very real just really doesn't care was doodling on his Twitter for like a long time and, and just kind of didn't seem to care. And now he's like back doing other business type stuff. And like, it's just very organic. It's sort of like we, as people kind of go through different things, like you'll get super into this, then you'll get super into this and super into this. And so it just kind of makes sense. And you'll lose followers here and there, of course, because some people are like, no, I'm just here for photography. But mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's places for them. And then there's also places for, for people that just want to see content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think if you are at the level where you've got your audience built up, it's okay if your goal is to 
grow and have a large audience and following and stuff. If you're at the level where you already have an audience built, I think it's okay to, to have that more organic approach and to be sharing doodles or sharing some other random thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Gary Vee, you've got millions of people that follow you for who you are essentially. And there's a lot of other folks online that like I follow them for who they are in some ways. And so um, that I don't know. And I think, I think that's probably the quote unquote right approach uh, to wait until you hit that stage rather than do what I do right now and share anything and everything. <laughs> um, more or less, I still have, I still have limits of what I share and like not, and being specific and sharing kind of those three different pillars of things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that my strategy or what I'm doing now is the best way to grow on Twitter. I, I wouldn't look to me as a, as an example of what someone should do if they're looking at Twitter and trying to grow and trying to 10 X and stuff. Um, Cause that's not really my goal. <laughs> so there, I think, Oh, there's a couple folks that I follow that would definitely be a lot better to look at if someone's trying to grow on Twitter and that's their goal. Right. Cause there's those, there's those people that know that SEO down to the, I remember listening to a podcast years ago and there was a, uh, there's those people that will know SEO and then there's those people that know SEO. And there was a guy that was at a convention, I guess. And he was talking to, and he's like, you know, I really need to learn how to name my YouTube videos better. And, um, this particular YouTuber is like, you know what? I'm going to refer you to my friend because like, I know how to get views. Cause like this person was a professional mm-hmm. YouTuber. I know how to get views, mm-hmm. but this guy really knows how to get views. And he's like, well, how much time do you have? Cause I can talk about 20 minutes about how to <laughs> phrase your, how to phrase your title at a certain time. And like, based on this and that, and it's like those people like wow. really know it, right. They're not a, they're not a jack of all trades. They're like the master of SEO. So there's mm-hmm. always those different differences, you know? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you find a, a subject matter expert like that, they're going to be super pigeonholed, and I think that's that's good in some ways. Like, and they, that's what I'm sure they've built up their audience by sharing only specific feedback like that. And I think that that makes sense because in a certain way, you can you can't know everything about everything, and so you do have to specialize in in your certain little tiny niche. Right, exactly. And and actually, one like this isn't uh, this isn't like a necessarily like a, a thing I was planning on asking, but in terms of the social media platform. What are your thoughts on discovery engines specifically? And what I mean by that is, so if you if you talk about, let's say, Facebook, let's say a Facebook page, post on a Facebook page, someone's, and yes, there's other ways to do it, but in general, someone kind of has to search out that page and kind of find you. There isn't really that discovery necessarily unless someone reshares those type of things. Those are sort of like the side things. Same with Twitter. Uh, you know, someone has to, like my Twitter, I haven't really followed anyone on Twitter in a while, at least not to my recollection. So my collection of tweets only grows or like what I see from creators only grows because let's say you or someone else I follow likes a tweet, retweets it, and then I see that. But it doesn't come naturally into my feed. Same with, um, well, not maybe not same with, but Instagram kind of. So some people will repost, but Instagram, you know, the instant you open it, I just have my feed. I have all these people I follow to follow them for years and I haven't, re- I haven't followed someone new. Uh, on on my personal in years, I just have that curated bit of content and that's it. And there's no discovery really. It's like a st- in terms of growth, what Instagram is getting from growth for me is like, or the cr- other creators on Instagram, I should say, they're not getting me as a growth statistic because I'm literally not budging. But the thing is, is that I'm opening Instagram, I'm opening Twitter, I'm opening this, and I'm only really like checking it, you know, doing a scroll, scroll through, blah blah blah. Okay, I'm done. I'm gonna keep working or do whatever I'm doing. But something like, and we talked about this before, TikTok, 
TikTok is one of these things where you open it up and it's a random creator every time. You know, that's your default. Unless you mess around with your settings, the for you page is random creator. Swipe up, random creator. Swipe up, random creator. Sure, some of them are going to be your followed people, but the power of it is like random, random, oh, followed, followed, random, 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 followed, followed, like whatever it is. And so like, what's your thought on, because like you're saying, you know, to grow on Twitter, like I said, you can like, you can retweet, you can do this and that. Hashtags is one of them. People can search out the hashtags, but to get users, as you know, to do an action is like pulling hair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's just, or like pulling teeth, pulling hair, just pulling hair. And all. Uh, but it's like, you can't get somebody, you cannot get somebody to do something. If you're like, like on, like uh, Instagram is the prime example. Hey, like you want to find out more about uh, cars? Hashtag cars, go search up hashtag cars. People aren't going to do that. Or they're going to do that when they first get to Twitter, follow 10 people. Those 10 people are going to post three times a day. Those people are going to scroll once through, th- once through Instagram throw it once through Twitter, whatever they followed on, and then that's it. That's their curated feed now. So, like, what's your thought on the, the like, the growth of these platforms where, in my opinion, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they're hard to grow. Where something like TikTok, yes, it's new and that that plays into it. But the instant you open that, it's a random, it's a random creator. It's a random video. Yep. Yeah, the discoverability, because TikTok's so early in the stages of it being so sort of the platform that it is, that their focus, I think, is uh, highly, highly discoverability. Like, that's very high on their list. And so, like you're saying, you you pull open TikTok, you're seeing, and Instagram kind of does this with their algorithm feed, but TikTok is is definitely pushing other stuff. And as we talked a little bit about the sh- before the show, when you're posting content on TikTok, you're finding firsthand that you're able to see a wider audience um, just with the amount of reach that you can get by posting a similar thing on the different platforms. Like you're going to have that a lot more on TikTok because I think they're, I don't know exactly, but I think they're trying to push out as much new stuff in front of new people basically. And, and (laughs) that feed is so annoying there where you open it up and you go, it's that for use I hate that. I always switch over to the following. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I dislike that highly about TikTok, and I don't really use TikTok that much. But I've looked at it a little bit from a business perspective and a personal perspective and that sort of thing. Um, and it's interesting because I, I think that Instagram's just so saturated that there's not discoverability on there is like near impossible. And Twitter is a little bit. Twitter's better, I think. Facebook, I would say, is almost the worst unless you have some sort of like random viral video that um all of the i don't know bored stay-at-home dads and moms see and like and share or something like you're not going to get discovered on facebook at all uh and that's probably the worst in terms of discoverability i've i've been terrible about facebook in terms of a running a business account i've never been really been able to figure it out Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of share the similar content to it and don't, don't really, I know that a lot of people have a lot of success with it. And I know that Facebook groups are also really a big thing that some people use, but in terms of running a Facebook page, I've never been able to crack that egg. And it's something where it's like, I just don't have time to dig into it and watch the countless YouTube videos to figure it out. Um, but yeah, if discoverability is your goal, like you're saying, I think TikTok is the place to be. Twitter is also kind of in that same realm. Instagram kind of that's that used to be what was so good about Instagram, I think. And I think you'd see accounts and 
and specifically like photographers, because that's one of my niches that I'm in, you'd see them grow really quickly and, and grow to massive counts um, as of a couple of years ago, because that's, that's what they were focused on was discoverability. But it's just so saturated now that even, and that browse, I think it's the browse tab is what they use for discoverability. And they also insert stuff in your feed. So it's not like you're not getting, the reach isn't nothing there. They're still trying to trying to push it out but i think Mm -hmm. that the massive supply of content that they're getting it's just that saturation levels it's too high they can't they can't effectively serve that and cater that to people to get new likes or whatever and so um that seems like the the hunger i guess maybe is the right word for people for content on instagram probably is less than than tiktok uh i don't i don't know and i think maybe tiktok's just I don't, I mean, you could probably have a whole podcast and talk to some super smart person about why TikTok's so popular and uh, all those sorts of things about it and why it's blown up and why it's the place to be or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that like instantaneity and it, it being thrown in your face and you, you know, scrolling, scrolling past every time you swipe up, there's a, a chance or at mm-hmm. least a, or in my experience, a high chance of it being a random person. And and like you mm-hmm. use that following tab. I don't use that following tab. I'm like I'm there for the random like I want the random videos from the funny mm-hmm. pet videos through like this is how you hook up like a multi-million dollar speaker setup. Like, oh, all right, I'll watch this. <laughs> like, sure. You know, rather than yeah. like a YouTube video where it's like, OK, 38 minutes of somebody setting up. This is the high voltage plug. You got, you know, it's just it's too mm-hmm. much. Like on TikTok is just instant go, go, go. So I think mm-hmm. that's probably part of its power as well. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's very you're, you're right about that. Like it's very pedal to the metal. It's very quick hit. It's very uh, <laughs> it's going to start to sound like a 80 year old man. Get off my lawn here. But it's very <laughs> much like short attention span, uh, quick quick hits, quick catering, get that dopamine rush. All right. Next, the next dopamine rush. All right. Next dopamine rush. And even, even that following tabs, I'll, I'll notice will serve videos that aren't the person's most recent. And so I think all of TikTok from their perspective is, is focused on sharing and maximizing discoverability, like sharing non-follower content with you, sharing follower content. That's not the most timely. That was, that was recent which is interesting when you think about that philosophy and what they do there when it comes to sharing and algorithms and how that's very similar to Instagram, Instagram's quote unquote new algorithm that everyone just dumps on and hates. (laughs) But I don't think TikTok gets the same level of flack as Instagram for what essentially they're kind of doing in a similar pattern with the Instagram algorithm, quote unquote, and the, the TikTok feed thing i don't know what it's called but yeah yeah it's i think i heard somebody describe it and whether this is true or not i heard somebody describe it on tiktok actually that it's all about the shares like they they send you out they send you out to a group of people they see how many shares you get if you're shareable likable whatever okay yeah another group it's a little bigger shareable likable okay great bigger group because like if you look if you go on i was telling mike about this too is not to make this the social media show but the uh the success of a post, let's say on Instagram, on Facebook, on whatever, in general, on Twitter, even in general, not always, it's like within that first hour, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you like, you're either going to take off or you're not. And again, that's very general. It could take off in a year. Who knows? But the thing is, is that that like first hour, that first mi- like 10 minutes, whatever it is, really makes a difference. Whereas mm-hmm. 
something on TikTok and like just keep being reshared again and reshared again. And the, inst- the algorithm will keep pulling a few, oh, a couple hundred more, a couple hundred more. And like I've talked to you, I talked to you before the show about me re- me doing a 30-day-ish test, posting videos every day on 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 Instagram and mm-hmm. literally getting zero followers, an actual zero. <laughs> now, hundreds of views and like it wasn't like people were commenting like, they suck, but like actually zero. So like, I don't mm-hmm. know, this... This world, like the world of like getting follow followers is, is for business people is almost like it. Well, it's necessary in most cases, but it's also crazy and it changes on a dime. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're past the point of, I don't know what you'd call it, like peak using social media to grow your business. That, that's a very great title there, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's no longer that, a fad. It's the, it's, it's plateaued. Yeah. It's, it's plateaued. That's that's the better word, plateaued. <laughs> it's slightly more accurate and uh, illustrative. Yeah, um, um, but like to bring it back, I think we should bring it back to uh, web development, actually, and the title of the episode too. By the way, one thing I did want to talk to you about is we had a conversation a, a few weeks ago, probably more than that uh, ago now, where um, we discussed, and like I've said this a hundred hundred thousand times on the show, not that many, but that like. I always have this weird imposter syndrome because like Mike, he goes and he works on his, uh, his like uh, projects and he does like a lot of JavaScript and other things. And so he, he's de- developing his skills as a developer, right? He's like learning more, doing stuff, whatever. And then I'm kind of doing a lot of the business admin stuff. And I also do a lot of the hopping around. I do a load of PHP today. I do a little of this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. And I really don't know. Like, I, I honestly feel like I don't know anything. And we kind of came down and boiled this idea down into, you know, there's some people that are developers, period. They go to work, they do web development, then they go home and they have a side hustle that they work on all night. And then they go to bed and they wake up and they go to work. And then they go home and they do the side side hustle and then they go, go to bed. And there's those people that are only developers. That's what they do. But, you know, you're, you're like... Speaking of like kind of mixing it up, you know, there's people that aren't like that. So me, I like to play video games and like kind of hang out with my girlfriend and do whatever. And I don't like to be a developer all the time. And I kind of just like stop work at a certain time and or like when I'm done it and that's it kind of thing. Like work kind of gets cut off. And I know that for you, you do development, web development, but you also do photography. You also do other things. You know what? What's your thought on that? Like, do you. Do you find yourself being in that sort of imposter syndrome? Do you find yourself like falling behind colleagues even if they're all about development? Like what, like how do you balance that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that it's easy for people to get that imposter syndrome, especially with the internet and how we're always able to look at what other people are doing and compare ourselves. And this isn't just web development, right? Like you mentioned, you can be... I think you can be a specialist, but you can also be a master of all or um, not have that specialty, but you can be good at other things. Like you're saying, you bounce around to things and there's definitely value in that. Like, I think it depends on the person. It depends on their goals at the end of the day. I wouldn't say that my goals are to become like the greatest front end developer ever. I think my goals are um, more related to kind of having a little bit more holistic of a picture. And I like being able to be involved with the business side of things. I I like digital marketing. Um, I like the front end code specifically when it relates to user experience and UI. I know that I'm not really that great at JavaScript and I know that there's, I'm getting better at accessibility type stuff. That's one thing I've been focusing on the last couple of months, which has been, which has been great. And it's also like one of the priorities that we have at Zangle, which is pretty awesome to get a firm that's focused on that. 
Um, and so I think it's, I'm, I, I feel like I'm pretty confident and pretty, uh, okay with where I'm at with a lot of these things, because I recognize that some of my colleagues do turn to me for advice on design and turn to me for advice on UI and, um, especially CSS and like front end specific things. And that's, that's pretty cool to recognize because there's definitely times when I'm fighting through stuff and trying to figure out what's going on in the code. And, uh, I was trying to figure out a drop down menu today and, uh, recognizing that when you <laughs> have a child element that's positioned absolute, that sort of overrules the flex component parent and the width and trying to get those to match the width. And, uh, there's, there's definitely times where it's like, I feel like I should totally know this. And this is fundamentals of the box theory. And I'm probably not even saying that right now that I'm not on a podcast. Um, but I, I think that people should find value in themselves and, and find value in the things that they do and recognize that like, Hey, this, I might not be the best at this, but that's fine. And I can be pretty okay at these things. And if, if my goal is to be the best at this, then maybe I should focus and drill down and, and work on that a little bit more. But if my goal is to do, be better at, like you're saying, run the business, like that's, that's a fine spot for you to be in, to be focused on that. Um, I think I've kind of rambled. I don't, what was, <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> no, I think, I think you're filling it in. Cause that's, that's the thing, right? Is that like, there's people that, that the, 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 basically the question was, is to it, like, some people are just laser focused on web mm -hmm. development and then there's the other people there's other people that you know you're a photographer you're a developer you're a gamer you're this you're that or a combination and because you're a combination it's like you can't be the master of this thing mm -hmm. and it's sort of like, mm -hmm. like that it's sort of like that imposter syndrome of like you know like there's always that person in the office where you're like holy like holy hell like super quick knows what they're doing no glitches in their code whatever it is right just like Mm -hmm. holy crap but then you also look and you're like well that you know that that person also kind of spends their whole life here <laughs> and when they go home their remote desktop or like vpning in or whatever your remote work situation is they're remoting in and they're mm -hmm. doing work there and then on the weekend they're not doing stuff for like they're not sailing or whatever you do on the weekends they're they're remoting in again and then you're mm -hmm. like oh well of course that makes sense because if I spent mm -hmm. that much time, then I would then I would have that like as well. But it's hard to sort of see that in the moment where you're like, man, I like I I always say it to Mike, like I feel like an idiot. Like we we looked at a we looked at the, there we had a, I'm a guest on the show a few weeks ago, uh, a monarch actually, and he does uh, these uh, online hackathons. And one of the people in our Discord went in and they actually uh tried it out and i think they won actually and this, this was weeks yeah. and weeks ago <laughs> and mike showed me the project because i hadn't been on the discord for a while and mike showed me the project and the first words out of my mouth i was like well how long did it take to complete this and he's like i don't know a few days or seven days or something like that and i was like oh yeah i'm like i'm an idiot i wouldn't know how to do this like i'm an actual idiot like i don't mm -hmm. know what i'm doing but at the same time it's like I don't know what that person's situation's like. Are they spending 12 hours a day doing their coding? Because, mm -hmm. like, I don't, you know, what What are they doing? I don't know. We don't know what their situation mm -hmm. is. I think it depends yeah. on where they are, right? Like, where they are in, the, in their coding life. Like, right now, I'm pretty sure the reason why they were doing the hackathons is because they were trying to get a job. So when you're trying to get a job, your perspective is completely different. Like, you're trying to gain the skills, whatever those skills may be, the, the ones that you want. For him, it was, like, pure full stack development, pure coding. 
And that's what he was doing eight hours a day. Whereas for us, it's a little bit different. Like we have jobs, like it's our own business, but our goals are completely different. Like David was saying, the goal is the driving force and it should be the metric that you should be measuring against rather than the other people in the office. Because if the other person's goal in the office is to be, you know, uh, a 10x developer or, a, you know, work at Apple or something like that, then he could be having the same imposter syndrome as you are having. Even though he's doing way more, like in your consideration, he's doing way more. But really, he's like in his own eyes, he's doing nothing as well. So mm-hmm. it's all like based on that goal. So you like that's what I try to measure up to as well is like, am I completing my goal? And if not, sometimes I'm not. Like it's just really reality of it. Sometimes I don't have the motivation or something and I try to readjust myself towards it. But some most of the time it's just like, yeah, I'm doing fine. Like I'm not as good as like 99% of these guys, but whatever, like I'm kind of achieving my goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's it. That's, that's a great point. I like that. All of that. One, one thing uh, I did want to mention, like just to bring it back to a little bit of the social media stuff. I noticed when you were in that transition phase, David, um, going from one agency to Zangle, uh, you kind of switched up your your method of social media. You kind of went a little bit harder on the on the Twitter, on the dev Twitter. And like, again, you were very, you know, laser focused on getting connections into the dev community maybe you weren't laser focused on finding landing a job or whatever but you were laser focused on expanding your dev community right so i just wanted you to like talk about that because i know a lot of people in our community are definitely on that on, in that process they're trying to become more involved in the dev community and how did you like what was your i guess strategy for that yeah that's that's a good harken back i I remember that time period now and kind of, it's, it's, it's funny to hear that outsider perspective of, oh yeah, I've kind of forgot about that. That was sort of a change in strategy and something that I turned to Twitter more as I left that company and, or as I got forcefully left that prior (laughs) company. Um, But yeah, I think networking, I, I really like Twitter a lot. I think it's a great place for networking. Um, I think Twitter is kind of, replaced what LinkedIn should be. And LinkedIn is kind of trash too, now that we're trashing all the social you media. You don't like platforms. LinkedIn stories? You don't want to post a LinkedIn story? <laughs> Gosh, LinkedIn, it's, it was such a good idea. And then I feel like Microsoft bought it and destroyed it, but maybe that was always part of LinkedIn's higher level strategy that they were going to turn into this. I don't know. It's just like, it doesn't seem. It's just like, a recruitment network, essentially. That's all it is. Recruitment yeah, and, and I wish. And it's, it's almost like you have to share these whimsical little like short 60 character random story <laughs> things that seem to get that they're like clickbaity and, um, oh, here's top e-commerce email marketer guy who's sharing stuff. That's always kind of like, I'm, I'm uh, going to say it. I'm going to say it and I feel bad about saying it, but it's definitely the boomer network. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is kind of, I used to love LinkedIn and I used to think it was going to be great. And then it just never really it never worked. Um, and so (laughs) I wish it was about sharing jobs. Like I wish it was about what it seemed to be, why it started, like getting people together, networking with the people that, you know, networking with your coworkers, former coworkers and getting people into positions where they can get hired. And then also sharing positions that you think are really interesting. And I, I feel like the amount of content that's not relevant to that specific purpose is massive and overtakes that point. And so 
Basically, influencers are in there now. Influencers are definitely taking that over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. LinkedIn influencers is a total thing. There's that like sweatshirt guy that makes those cool sweatshirts that I kind of want to try because I hear they're really soft and good, but they're also crazy expensive. And he seems to be all about those whimsical sort of heart catching story <laughs> things. And <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyways, so Twitter, <laughs> Twitter's great. Uh, so yeah, I, I was kind of last summer pivoting to using Twitter. It was never something I used, I think before last year that much. Uh, I don't, I think I sh- shared jokes on it or something. I don't even know what I did on it. Um, it'd be interesting to look back at the tweets, but at that point I kind of started to change my strategy. I think a little bit more and to be more, um, have more goals in mind that were related to web development and careers and kind of be a little bit more strategic with what I was sharing. And so at that point, knowing that I was really interested in the Laravel world, at least the front end version of the Laravel world, I was doing a little bit more networking. I was sharing stuff on there with the idea of kind of growing that dev audience and helping other people and also just meeting people through Twitter. That's kind of last summer I did a contracting role at a, um, another like smaller kind of dev shop. And so I worked for them part-time for a couple of months and I found that job through Twitter. And then where I'm at now, Zangle, I also was able to connect through Twitter for that role. And that the first job that I had at Romega Digital, the contract role that helped me get my foot in the door, I believe here at Zangle as well. And so both those connections were made through Twitter. And I think just meeting people on there and especially with this Laravel world that's kind of smaller and the front end world that's even smaller, meeting people and making those connections, I think it's been really great. And that that's kind of what I started to do a little bit more strategically. And so I think if, if people are interested and they know they're interested in, in a specific world, like for me, I love using Tailwind CSS. That's generally the CSS framework that's used in this kind of Laravel-ish world that I'm in. And so I knew that. And I also, this Laravel-ish world uses view and use a static CMS. Those are two other tools that are my favorite things to use. And I'm just weird. And whenever I use those things, I just get really, really excited. And <laughs> it makes development so much more fun and interesting to me. I don't know why. And I know you're not really supposed to get attached to things. And I'm sure they're going to be pounded into the dust in the near future because things don't last in the dev <laughs> world with how fast it changes. But right now, <laughs> I sort of have a little bit of a, a hard crush on them <laughs> for better or worse. Uh, and so I was able to kind of network in that s- small, small space and form sort of a little bit of community and get involved with people. I think also what I did last summer was I just searched for job postings on Twitter. I was doing things and this is again specific to the skill sets that I wanted to develop and use more. And I'd used Vue for a couple of months at the agency I was at prior. I really liked it. And so I looked specifically for roles that were hiring for Vue and Statomic and Tailwind. Um, I don't know if you're casting a broad net, I don't think this type of idea is gonna play out the strategy. I think it has to be very specialized because what I was doing was searching for people that were looking for help. I think Braden was one of them where he had posted on Twitter he's the head of Romega Digital, that he was looking for someone many months ago. And I, I think I followed up with him and said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for, looking to to use Vue and are looking for work, kind of contract work or whatever, and love using Vue, love using Tailwind, that sort of thing. These are my skills. This is what I've worked on in the past. 
uh, let's chat. And so that was kind of specifically what I had done last summer when I was looking around, but yeah, I think it's, it's a lot easier to do something like that when you're casting a very narrow net and a very kind of laser focused strategic view of, of what you want to do and where you want to be when it comes to development. Development's so hard because there's this, this massive chasm of anything and everything that you can do in terms of technologies and tools and, you can, once you're at a certain level, I feel like it's pretty fluid. You can move across that board pretty easily, which is for better or worse. Like it kind of makes it harder for you to market yourself if you're looking for specific things. But if you're at a certain tier and probably like a mid to senior role and you've got that five, three to five plus 10 years of experience under your belt, then you're, you're pretty set in terms of not having to be super um, granular with like what you're looking for. You can kind of just have that more broad-based approach to things. Um, but I, I, um, I wish I would have my, <laughs> I don't have the best memory in the world. I'm sure there's other things that I was doing last summer that would be kind of interesting to think about and, um, hopefully share with people that might help them. Uh, but that was, that's kind of what I'd done. And I think there's a couple tweets where I said, I did the portfolio portfolio share kind of piece. Hey, this is, I'm looking for work. And I think what was really helpful about the time that I got laid off was there was sort of this collective effort that humanity was going through because of the pandemic and lots of people were getting laid off. And so lots of people were, were willing to help those people that got laid off. And I think people recognized that and were really nice and were able to give me like a, just a little retweet and that sort of thing. And um, at that point, I think that's, that's what my tweet probably said was, Hey, I got laid off due to COVID. Here's what I've worked on here's my portfolio, um, looking for new work, that sort of thing. And I think that, that kind of helped, uh, and probably was what you saw, um, Mike, when it comes to what I was sharing and my strategic Twitter pivot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it was, it was a very, uh, obvious pivot for me. Cause I was looking at you, like I, w- I saw your Twitter account before and I saw it right after. And I thought it made perfect sense. And I was like, whoa, that's a really good idea. And I think, I honestly think you should, you should go back take a look at what you did and write a blog post about it. Because I think it was a, your approach was perfect for the situation where you're like, I have some time, right? And I really like this technology. So I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'm going to spend that time to work in that technology. And I think we even talked about it a little bit while you were doing it. And you're like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to kind of, you know, spend some time and try to make sure that I actually get into that, into into these kinds of companies that uh, are going to be, ones that I want to work for rather than just any agency. And then like with the any agency route, sure. In some situations, spread a wide like spread a wide net maybe that that might work for you and you might get into any agency and you might get a job faster even. But when you have the luxury like if you're living at home with your parents, if you're just going through school right now uh and you're, you know, before you even graduate, it's a good idea to like start really specializing in things that you really want to do. So if you're building your projects in Vue and Tailwind, start looking at the developers on on Twitter that are specializing in that start looking at the big ones and then smaller and smaller and smaller as the ones that go down and start commenting on their posts and start liking their stuff and start retweeting and keep commenting and keep commenting because I find that Twitter over anything else at least in the developer community is much better at the like back and forth at the in the comments people that even are way bigger than you are more willing to like talk to you if you comment on their stuff than any other social media platform that I've used before and mm-hmm. that lends itself hugely to the amount of views that your account gets 
because other people mm-hmm. will go and check the, the the comment history and be like, oh, these mm-hmm. guys are having it back and forth. Maybe I should check on your portfolios. That that is, I think, what was like a really good strategy on your part was because you were commenting back and forth. And I was seeing those comments because that's how Twitter does it. Like I'm following you, you're commenting on a bunch of things and I'm seeing not only your account, I'm seeing the people that are commenting on you and the people that you commented on. So I thought I just wanted to point it out and kind of give our audience another example of how you can approach the social media market and how you can approach mm-hmm. just trying to get the job that you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's all gold. That's gold right there. Take it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to write down that blog post idea too and go back and look at it because, I mean, I guess it worked for me. (laughs) So that's good. (laughs) I wanted to know too. So, I mean, how how often or do you not sort of leverage your other skills and or projects to work together or don't like, so obviously you're you're the one that made, I believe, the Rainier Watch uh, website because you're a web developer. But like, do you really sort of uh, I don't know, is that at like the forefront of your portfolio? Like, do you flaunt that to an, to an extent? Or are you trying to keep your, you know, your ring, your watch, your photography stuff? Are you trying to keep all that stuff separate from your development career? Or is everything all going into one big like, hey, like, uh, like at that time, hey, I'm available for work. Look at all this stuff I built. Like, how much are you connecting that type of stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, to, to be clear, I didn't build the Rainier Watch site from scratch myself. It's definitely a WordPress theme that I used and customized here and there. Um, I am right now rebuilding the site from scratch myself while using Tailwind UI a lot because building a full e-commerce site takes like months if you're doing it full time (laughs) and I'm not. So, (laughs) and I want to get it done in less than many months. (laughs) So, (laughs) What what are you using Uh, to do the e-commerce? Is it Snipcart? No, uh, someone, so Shopify is going to be the back end. It's going to be a headless Shopify site built on Statomic for the front end because Statomic is the greatest CMS that's ever been created. <laughs> and once you use asterisk, it. Asterisk, asterisk, hang on a minute here, asterisk there. Well, once you use it, fully endorsed by HTML of the things. Uh, <laughs> once you use it, you will not want to use any other admin console panel thing ever again. Uh, do, do they still have a vendetta against so Windows? Good. I don't, what is Windows? Is that like something from the 80s that is no longer relevant? Uh, I, I'm talking to you on it right now, buddy. I uh, had to dial in <laughs> on my touch, on my not, my pre-touch tone telephone to call, to, to, to join this, the Zoom call. Uh, that's why your webcam doesn't work. Gotcha. <laughs> I have um, that in my back pocket. I've been saying Come on it, now. So. Come on now. I immediately regretted showing you that, that broken air <laughs> message. <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't know if they have a vendetta against Windows. I don't use Windows, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> but Jeez. it is a fantastic CMS. And so, I, yeah, I'm rebuilding the Rainier Watch site. So I don't really use that in my portfolio as a portfolio piece. But I, I definitely, re- so I also rebuilt my photography site from scratch a couple months ago in Statomic. Um, and that is a portfolio piece that I would use. And once I rebuild the Rainier Watch site, I'll include that in the portfolio too. Um, so things are, where the dots can be connected, I guess, and intertwined. I, I do. I think what at that point when I was marketing myself to find a new role, I was using more of the items that I built for clients because I think that you want to use things in your portfolio when you're going for certain roles that are as close to what they would be doing. And so I think that, that those are better pieces. Like, hey, I built the site for Sony. Hey, I built the site for Microsoft. That's going to be a little bit better 
ammunition, so to speak, on your resume when you're applying to a company that is basically trying to do similar projects to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it all does kind of intertwine. And um, yeah, yeah, I think think that answers most of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, and the thing is, too, is like, like, I'm kind of a person that bounces around a lot. And so I always try to like, or at least I used to, I kind of don't do it anymore, but I used to kind of always try to tailor everything toward each other. Like, oh, I'm running a web dev business and I'm also running this, running this, uh, this like gaming channel on YouTube that we like rarely post to. So I may as well like try to build them a site. And then when you think about it, it's like, well, there's not enough content there, you know, and then you're just building a site for no reason. And there's no real point in making a site that is like a dead blog and then showing, showing clients like, Hey, look, the last time we posted is 2018. You know, <laughs> then it's like, well, is this any good? You know, so um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that struggle of being, you know, hopping around between side hustles and just like side projects, like side projects and hobbies and every other thing as well. And so what do you like, what is your sort of, do you put like a limit on stuff? And what I mean by that is, do you put a limit on, so obviously you have your, your full-time job. There's a certain amount of hours expected there. That's, that's, that's like assigned to you effectively, but like, what is your... Do you limit yourself on other things? So like, I know Rainier watch is rather large. I would say, you know, do you want that to go to a big company one day? Do you want that to be your full timer? Cause I know we've asked this question before. Um, but like at this point, like, do you, do you always see yourself as part uh, as like, you know, you have a full-time job, whether it's where you're at now or wherever. And then there's always like, like a side hustle, whether it's Rainier watch or something else, or do you start your side hustles? with the expectation of, I hope this side hustle becomes my full-time hustle. Yeah. Um, it's, that is another million dollar question of like, do I want Renier Watch to be a part-time job eventually or full-time job even? I don't, it's tough. I think it was on a roll in 2020 mm-hmm. and it was getting to the point where it's like, all right, we've got some momentum. I think after another year or two or three of this consistent momentum of doubling sales, like it could get to a point where I could maybe, um, do it at least part-time right now it's and then the pandemic hit and that took out 80 percent of our sales which were in-person markets and yada 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 fast forward to today it had a pretty good year but like it was tough it survived and i count that as a huge win Mm -hmm. uh and we donated four thousand dollars to to good charities and nonprofits and that sort of thing and that was really awesome um yeah i did like a couple fundraisers last year there's one for wildfires there's ones for um diversity and inclusion in the outdoors and a few other things so that was that was really awesome um but uh it's tough i don't know if rainier watch is big enough to ever make it like it's a very niche product it's a specific product related to like a one landscape mountain feature out here Mm -hmm. not rainier um and so that's I, i don't know we'll see i think in a perfect world perhaps in the next 10 years my perfect job would be doing more than just coding 40 hours a week at Zangle. Like maybe I could do, and I love Zangle. Like maybe I'd be at Zangle part-time doing coding and then maybe doing 20 hours a week of Rainier Watch or running other things. I don't think my side hustles, my goals with them are necessarily to become, and it was definitely not with Rainier Watch when I started it. I just started it as a Twitter account to post when the mountain was out and thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of blown up and turned into an e-commerce business since then. And so I don't, I don't really start, these side hustles is a way to, to be a full-time job. Eventually it's more kind of just to like scratch an itch or just do a cool, interesting thing because, um, 
and it's hard because I, I always see these cool things and I want to use more of these cool things when I build companies and build websites and that sort of thing. But there's only so much time in the day and you're pretty limited. Uh, I would say limiting myself. Yes. I try and limit myself on Rainier watch. I, to be honest, like 2021, the last six months or so, um, I've struggled with burnout and just feeling like I'm stuck in the mud and feeling like there's a hundred things that I need to do specifically when it comes to Rainier watch and side project stuff and other things. And I can't do any of them. I haven't designed or launched a new product besides these cookies that sold out when I teamed up with a baker a couple mm-hmm. months ago, I haven't launched a new product or designed. I haven't launched a new product for a couple months. I haven't designed anything for Rainier watch for many, many months. Cause I just, I can't, there's this huge wall that I hit. Um, I can't break through it. I have, my efforts of breaking through it in the last month or two have been me doing things that I really enjoy. And that was something that I consciously had to think about early on in 2021 of, Hey, I don't know what the deal is, but I can't get through this wall that I'm stuck on and I'm burned out and I'm spending way too much time on this. I have a new puppy that is a super handful. I've got a wife, like there's so many different things vying for my attention that are all really important. And those last two things are more important than Rainier Watch and more important than the other side hustle thing. And so with Rainier Watch, I was like, what gives me joy? What do I enjoy doing? So I hired a designer to do some designs. They look fantastic. But like any small business owner knows, it's one of those make or break moments where it's like, all right, I'm going to drop a couple thousand on new shirts and stuff and designs. And if it doesn't work out, that's <laughs> in your two G's out. Yeah. Might be the end of uh, Rainier Watch. We don't know. And if it works out, then great. Things will keep going. And that's been great because it offloads that task from me and onto mm. someone else that's way better than I am. Like, honestly, I'm I'm learning design as I go. I'm learning. That's something that I've been doing with Rainier Watch is becoming a designer and learning about apparel and all those sorts of things. Um, but limiting, I think, is really important. And burnout is so hard. And so one reason I've been rebuilding the Rainier Watch site in Statomic and Shopify is because I've always wanted to use those two different things, but only Shopify in the back end because their front end is not very good and their dev experience is not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to combine these two forces is awesome. And that's where I've found the energy to dig into it and continue working on it. And it's hard, like running an e-commerce direct to consumer business, there's a thousand million things you can do specifically when it comes to marketing and even email marketing, you could spend 40 hours a week on email marketing. And there's all sorts of like little things too, that you could dig into. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I'm sure they would, if I did that, they would, the business would do better. But at this point I'm trying to be more strategic with my time and avoid the burnout again and uh, do things that I enjoy. And that's kind of where it's led to me. Like, all right, I'm going to redesign the site and enjoy that. Um, So I would say limiting is super important uh don't be like me <laughs> don't i think the whole like side don't hustler, don't be like me there's some advice <laughs> <laughs> the whole like side hustler sort of mantra and even how uh squarespace came out with those ads a couple months ago or maybe during the super bowl where they were like work your nine to five and then work five to nine that was terrible yeah, uh that's just yeah, a that, really, what are you talking really about bad idea uh, i wouldn't say most unless you're really passionate about what you're doing on the side and you can do that and you can be passionate about your side hustle and get into things like I do and love photography and that sort of thing and have these creative outlets. Like that's totally possible. 
but don't work 40 hours and 40 hours in a week. You're going to mentally destroy yourself and physically when are you taking care of yourself during that time period? A, because uh, working out is super helpful for your brain and also your longevity. And there's time is the most valuable asset. And that's something that I've tried to be better about the last few months where it's like, I don't have time for that. I'm going to pay someone to do that. And we'll see, or I'm just not going to do it. And I have to consistently remind myself almost weekly, daily that, Hey, time's limited. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because I have this perfectionist streak where it's really hard for me not to, like I spent many, many hours researching our lawnmower before we bought one, for example. Oh, good Lord. I have problems, but I'm trying (laughs) to get better about them. (laughs) Yeah. So limit yourself. What would you say then to like, you know, one of the big things to give yourself more time, everyone always says online, and it's a passion of mine too, is, you know, passive income. You know, have you tried to leverage any sort of passive income from your side hustles? Because I know that something like Rainier Watch, let's say, gets, I don't know, I don't know how many hits it is. I'm just making it up. Gets a thousand hits a day. You know, if you put some ads on there, you get a good, you know, click through rate, whatever it is, whatever network you go with, you know, you could make a few hundred a month, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, don't like, don't you want to have like some passive income from anything like from nothing? You're shaking your head. No, for the listener, (laughs) you and your passive income. Um, Yes, passive income sounds great. And in my experience of not really doing it, but reading about it and that sort of thing, passive income isn't really that passive. So like, technically, Rainier Watch could maybe be called passive income, but I do spend 10 plus hours a week on it easily. Mm. But it does generate five hundred to four thousand dollars a month in sales, and so it's like, and there's other things too. A, I've I went down that path a little bit one time with Rainier Watch. So I, I met up with another person that runs one of those like big Pacific Northwest Instagram accounts that has hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, and he was all about that and telling me I need to do that with Rainier watch. Rainier watch was only like 30 K at the time. Um, and it's like, you gotta, you gotta monetize that and, um, take advantage of that. And it just, I tried it. I tried a few different times to sell ads to like other small businesses where it's like, Hey, pay a hundred dollars to get seen in a story or a couple hundred dollars to get posted on the feed or do this joint giveaway that costs $500. And, um, I'm sure that's, that's a, you can do that. And I imagine if you have these like feature Instagram pages that makes sense. Cause that's sort of what you do, but like with Rainier watch, it did make sense. And I felt like it was not, it was a compromise and it wasn't part of the brand. And maybe if the brand was more of just a feature Instagram account, it would make sense. But, um, and that's what putting ads on the website also feels like to me, it feels kind of like watering down the experience and compromising on the user in chase of, monetary gain. Um, but I, in general, yeah, passive income sounds great. If, but it, it definitely seems like it's, it's hard, right? Like it's this easy thing to say, but I think that you have definitely. to put in a significant amount of time up front and make that investment where you're spending a month of your time to create, I don't know, some sort of download guide or some web course or, or things like that. And I think it's great and a lot easier if you have an audience built up that you can cater to that are niche niched uh, in a specific thing. Like for you all that have dev followers and that sort of thing, like selling a course that's specific about your experiences to what they look for, like maybe that would work. Um, but I, I don't know. I, 
I just, I think I have a bad taste in my mouth from the passive income approach when I tried to sell those ads for Rainier Watch, but if you have any great passive income ideas, let me know. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah, well, ads is always the first thing that I kind of think of for a site, obviously, right? It's like, you know, you write a blog post, got on so many views, it's going to get over time. Maybe it goes viral now. Maybe it never does. Maybe it goes viral in four years. Who knows? Then the ads are there to pick up the slack, right? They're there to make you the money. And that's kind of yeah. like the thought. So they're they're like a thought and probably my first thought when it comes to mm-hmm. websites. But it's also not mm-hmm. the only thing you can do for passive. And, 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 and you're right. You're 100% right if not a thousand percent right that it takes a ton of time to get it up and running like mike and i have done passive income initiatives where you charge people you know maintenance packages for their websites because they don't want to deal with the content and or they don't want to deal with the wordpress updates and they don't want to you know one day you know almost always one day wordpress will break on you when you do an update and then they got to call you and they do not want to pay you you know the hourly they do not want to worry about clicking that update button so stuff like stuff like that you know maintenance packages is but like it's requires you know you go to the client you talk to them you convince them to join you convince them on what package to get then you then you got to usually build the site if they don't have one or you got to retrofit it or fix it or whatever you got to do with it which is the original reason for their call and so like that like that's one example beyond ads right but there is that big initial push and that's sort of the thing but i was just thinking because if you're trying to manage your time so much you know effectively making money like or making money as you sleep or whatever while you sleep mm-hmm. is sort of always the the tagline of passive income that that's kind of why i thought maybe that would mm-hmm. you know be something that you would be chasing so that you can make an extra few hundred a month and then cut out something you know what i mean become part-time or hire someone to do more on rainier watch or whatever that money goes towards you know kind of like mm-hmm. your thing but mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good idea in theory. Um, I'll add it to my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The ever-growing uh, to-do list. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think we've uh, I think we've basically covered everything that we uh, wanted to discuss today. Um, unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about, uh, David, uh, you can you know, feel free to take the floor and uh, either bring up another conversation topic or, you know, pitch whatever you're doing, whatever you're up to, any links, social media things, anything like that that you want to uh, pitch, like uh, take the floor, take it away. Um, yeah, I don't really have any pitches in mind, but if y'all liked the episode, feel free to say hello on the Twitters. It'll be in the, the description because it's Ostriker27 is my handle and that you can't spell that without <laughs> seeing it written <laughs> because I'm really good at Twitter and have a handle that is not... <laughs> <laughs> not my now. name or not anything else <laughs> uh, besides a crazy internet moniker that I came up with in middle school but um, yeah I don't know I'm happy I'm an open book when it comes to Rainier Watch and running an e-commerce business as well as the other things that I do I'm happy to share and help other people that are looking to do the same thing or have interests in any of that stuff but yeah other than that I don't really have a lot to pitch Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, yeah. I'll throw those social links and the website link, of course, into the show notes. Or more specifically, Mike will do it because he's been doing some some fancy work with our show notes on uh, Dev Two. So I never know what to call that site. Is it just like do you just say oh I'm on, I'm on Dev or do you say Dev Two? Like I don't know what the official name is, but we're on there. So <laughs> if you uh, anyway, we'll we always share the link and all that. Or Mike does. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll put the links in there as uh, as well. And thank you uh, as always for. Uh, joining us, uh, joining us, David, and uh, we hope to have you on the show again in the future. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks a lot for having me. You guys are doing awesome work. 
Thanks, David. Love Thanks. love HTML. It's it's a great Ooh. place to be. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had with David as much as we did. But now, Mike, time for the weekly growth goals. Mr. Mike, I'm looking at you. In the dark, actually. It's late here. It's late here. Different time zones. Not between Mike and I, but between us and David. So it's late. We're recording late. Wait a second. We're recording early. We're a day early. We're a day early, but it's late on the day early. Anyway, before I ramble myself further into a weird like conversation hole, Mike, your weekly growth goal for this week, which is actually only six days apparently because we're recording early. How's it going? What's the status? Is it done? Is it almost done? What are you at? What are you doing? Yeah, so the weekly growth goal was to fully deploy the weekly growth goals application, and I actually was able to do that. It is now fully deployed at weeklygrowthgoals.com. So if you're listening to this, uh, you can go there and check it out. Uh, Just keep in mind, this is an alpha, and there's going to be some issues, and there's also some limited functionality. Like, there's not much really you can do there other than create a weekly growth goal, check out other people's weekly growth goals, and encourage them uh, as well as kind of keep keep track of what you've completed and what you haven't completed. Those are really the only things there, but I wanted to make a really good starting point to generate some conversations. So please... Let me know what you think. Uh, the other little tidbit on on the Weekly Growth Calls app is it is deployed the back end on Heroku, which is a free back end service. Um, so with that comes kind of limitations. One of those limitations is if you're one of the first pe- one of the people that kind of activate the the site and it hasn't been activated in 15 minutes, it could take like 12 seconds to load. So when you see the loading of the little icons loading there. Um, just know that it could take a little bit longer. I, I do intend to put in some notification system. So you might you might actually see a notification saying like, oh, it's going to take longer to load or whatever. Uh, but if you don't, just you know give it a second. But as long as there's people constantly viewing the site, it should be all pretty quick and stuff like that. And I will, as demand increases, I will upgrade and start paying for stuff. But I just wanted to actually test out a fully free service. Like I've, you know, front end on Netlify, Backend is uh, Heroku, so I'm not paying for anything in hosting costs. The only thing I actually paid for is domain, uh, is the domain name. So it's kind of a, an interesting experiment that I wanted to do, and I, I will be documenting the free process of deploying on free services at some point in blog posts, perhaps in a video series and stuff like that. Uh, but my next week weekly growth goal is um, actually I have it in the weekly growth goals app. So give me one oh, second. Oh, look at you. Yeah, also, so, is that a PlayStation beeping in the background? What is that? No, it's already that was my fridge. My fridge just likes to randomly start beeping. Um, uh, it's telling you that it's open when it is not open. So yeah, that's your fridge. That's a thing that happens. Your fridge beeps. It's haunted. Yeah, my fridge beeps and it's haunted and it's tiny, but whatever. Uh, my weekly growth okay. goal for this week <laughs> is to post a TikTok video uh, for HTML, the things daily. So I want to kind of try the TikTok atmosphere. I want to, I'm going to start posting more vloggy videos on there. So I'll be talking about the issues I'm having with weekly growth goals application. I'll be talking about the stuff that I'm working on. So if you want to come take a look at that, it is going to be on the HTML of things TikTok. That'll be in the show notes um, in the description of this episode. Yeah, uh, actually, so uh, we've both been kind of hitting the TikTok uh, scene pretty hard. Actually, I've been I've been using TikTok for a while now. I really I really like it just as a user. And then I started posting some videos for my other podcasts on there, and they've been doing really good. So I thought, you know what? That's it. We're using this growth. We're using it for this uh, for hat when I say this. And so that's uh, really what uh, 
reason what drove it, I suppose. We have a link on there to our podcast and everything else, so I, we'll be reporting back on the success of that as well, based on uh, Mike's experiment there with the one week of uh, videos. But uh, for my weekly growth goal uh, was to finish the podcast page. Uh, absolutely did not finish it, sadly. Uh, the media player was in a bit more of a worse state than I thought. I'd asked Mike for help at one point. Uh, f- solved all of that stuff. It is working, but it didn't have much functionality that I like. So I'm just adding a go forward 10 seconds, reverse 10 seconds uh, functionality uh, to it, just because like pretty well everything that I saw when my brief research had that. So I'm going to do that, hopefully, and then get this out. Uh, Worst case, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to push the media player off and just like embed the Podbean one just to get the the ball rolling. But I did get actually a heck of a lot of it done. And realistically, when this page is done, the blog posts are almost done, this, that, and the other thing. I'm setting everything up so that I can pull parts of each one for each of the pages. So the website, as like one page gets complete, it's actually like 70% of the other pages are kind of complete as well. So that's good. So that's kind of where we're at. Sadly, did not meet meet that goal. But uh, my weekly growth goal moving forward then is to actually, actually finish the podcast page to the point where Mike could actually post show notes and uh, actually, like, I don't know whether I have that media player done or not. I mean, this is the thing. I'm building a, a media player in the Webflow inline editor. It ain't great. Like it ain't it ain't like the best development environment ever. I'm not that good at JavaScript, so there's that whole damn thing. And also like it's a custom media player, which most people hate. Most people are like, oh Christ, I gotta use this like custom media player from this random website. Like I just want to use the YouTube one or whatever. So I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with it. It's 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 the roadblock and I'm just gonna either use it and finish it or I'm just not gonna finish it and embed the thing. I don't care. This has got to get done. So that's my goal. Again, get the podcast thing. But what I'm actually gonna do for my goal this week is it's gonna be the podcast page and the blog page. I'm gonna see if I can get those two done. Do a little photo shoot on on Instagram, whether I post that next week or later, whatever. That'll be a social media decision, and that's where we're going to be out there. But uh, keep it locked to our TikTok as Mike does his little experiment there as well, because uh, that'll be interesting. We're just so at HTML. Post the app, Matt. Post your what? weekly growth goal on there. Post the weekly growth. What? Oh, my post, weekly growth yeah. goal right now. Like what I what I like like just start typing right at, the, at this exact. Start moment. typing onto the weeklygrowthgoals.com application. That's what it's for. That's true, actually. So, yeah. So, go check out the Weekly Growth Goals uh, website as well. That's the web app that Mike made. Uh, go check that out. Go track your go track your weekly go track your weekly growth goals on there. Post a, post some new goals, stuff that you want to get done in seven days. Remember, it can be professional, personal, just for fun, whatever it is. Just something that we want to do to make ourselves better within the next seven days or at the end of the seven days, whatever you want to say little encourage button there so you can keep yourself accountable with other people as well. It's really simplistic. You can go and check it out. And uh, that that really concludes the episode uh, this week. But remember, if you want to support the show in episodes like this, you can go to patreon.com slash HTML, the things, check out the tiers, give that a go. Many thanks to our $3 tier patron, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript, Garrett from Local Path Computing and Web Design on localpathcomputing.com, Ryan Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, uh, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on selfmadewebdesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, DL Ford from dlford.io, Bib Hashdash from NineBlockMedia on Nine block excuse me on nine block and media.com cannot speak it's getting late and jason from geek life radio via geek life radio.com feel free to com- leave a comment so you can't speak feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on and this outro will sign us off 
You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.